Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to try to cover a number of hot issues that are impacting our freedoms, our liberties across the nation. Uh, and you're definitely going to want to have to stay tuned because some of these things and these issues could be impacting you in many ways that you may not even uh, imagine moving forward. Uh, before we get into that, though, I'd like to parif- uh, talk about a, an important case matter that we have ongoing uh, right now uh, in the state of New Jersey. It's dealing with the fundamental rights that parents have over the education and upbringing of their children. Uh, we've heard recently of school districts uh, going way beyond what they're supposed to do, way beyond reading, writing, and arithmetic, and instead engaging in social, moral, or immoral indoctrination. Uh, this case matter in New Jersey that we've taken on is no exception. Here's the, here's the background. So there were several school districts that said, you know what, we're not going to allow teachers to lie to parents about the pronouns that their child wants to be used, uh, that they're going to require that the children, um, uh, you know, that they be disclosed to the parents so that uh, the children are referred to in a a pronoun appropriate for the birth certificate of the child. They're not going to keep parents in the dark. They're not going to lie to parents. I mean, folks, this is what is the edict, the mandate that's coming down from uh, blue states, from uh, state superintendents from blue states in particular, uh, or even some school districts, even in red states. So this is a nationwide problem, but it it blew up in New Jersey, and several school districts said, we're not giving into this. Well, lo and behold, the New Jersey attorney general steps in and says, oh no, I am ordering you to keep parents in the dark. I'm ordering you to lie to parents. School districts, school boards, you better make sure that parents are in the dark when it comes to issues of sexual identity or gender identity, um, or I'm going to pounce on you. I'm going to sue you with the full authority of the Attorney General's Office of the state of New Jersey. Well, as it turns out, at least one of those school districts said, no, we're not caving in. Uh, Our job as school board members is not to placate the teachers' union or to placate leftists like you, Attorney General. We're going to stand up against it. We at Pacific Justice Institute were contacted, and our attorney, Karen White, is the one who's heading this up. She heads up our office there in New Jersey as as well as serves uh, the state of Pennsylvania uh, right next door. And so we've taken on this case. Uh, We're also representing a pro-parent organization, pro-family parent organization there in New Jersey as well, uh, against uh, these terrible actions and threats by the New Jersey Attorney General. You know, it wasn't that long ago we would have thought this is a no-brainer. Of course, teachers are not to use different pronouns for a child. So if a child is a girl, she says, I no longer feel like a girl. I now, I feel like I'm a boy. Call me Jim. Instead of Jane, call me Jim. We'd expect 
that teacher to contact the parents immediately so that the parents can have proper counseling um, given to that child, therapy, whatever is needed to deal with what the issue is. Now, most likely, that child has had sexual abuse. That's what the stats show, sexual abuse. So instead of doing that, we have the teachers' unions across these states and the school boards, who most school boards are, are puppets of the teachers' union, we have them ordering parents, or ordering teachers, teachers, you hide it from the parents because we know it's best. We're totally beholden to the leftist, radical LGBTQ agenda for grooming little boys and girls to change their gender identity, uh, to have confusion. Uh, we don't care about the results of, on the child. We don't care the fact that most of these kids, if simply left alone, would work through their, their confusion and no longer have that confusion. No, no. We want to push it. We want to promote it. It's like a demonic cult, folks, has taken over the teachers' unions and many of these school boards, and in this case, the attorney general's office in the state of New Jersey, at the expense of the children. So, what do you do? If you're a parent out there and you still have your children in public schools, let me just say right now, I strongly encourage you, I implore you to strongly encourage you to take a look at other educational avenues. This could be homeschooling, could be private schooling, could be working with your church to start a church homeschool co-op. Folks, on our website, we have a, a, a video on this. We have information on this, on how you can uh, help to change your, pro, your, your, uh, your situation and have your church start a homeschool co-op with parents working together. The fact is, a lot of parents out there are not confident enough to be homeschoolers. Right or wrong, they're just not confident enough. And maybe it's because of their background. Maybe it's because of their situation. Maybe it's a single parent who has to work. So the idea of homeschooling their child at home is impossible because they have a job and their single spouse or maybe both parents work. And they need a collaborative of parents working together. That's what a homeschool co-op is. So I want to encourage you to take a look at all of these options. You may look at another option, which is to move from the state you're living in. That may work for the short term, possibly. There may be a little tiny school district in Tennessee or Texas or Oklahoma out there that is a public school district that's not going to be a serious risk, perhaps, in this area. But make no mistake, folks. Uh, school districts like Dallas, Houston, Austin, these are in the red state of Texas, right? Uh, these aren't safe school districts, even though the state of Texas has actually taken over control because of all the corruption and the alleged uh, inappropriate conduct and things that have been happening in those school districts, um, they're still not safe, even though the state of Texas itself has moved in to try to reform things. These are school districts in red states that have been shown to have very dangerous, potentially harmful material and indoctrination on children. It's, it's, it's nothing new under the sun. So there are cities in red states, school districts in red states, that we know, as a matter of fact, are not safe for your children. So you need to take that under advisement if you're thinking about moving out from a blue state to, to a red state. Uh, don't assume the public schools there are necessarily any safer. Oftentimes they're not. So this is a reality. I wish it was a hypothetical. I wish it was just, we were talking about something that might possibly happen someday in the future. 
This is, these kinds of things are happening all across the nation. Uh, let me give you another example. In Oregon, Grants Pass, Oregon, uh, there are a couple teachers, and they decided that on their own time, on their own website, they were going to talk about what the proper policies would be for a school district. So they didn't mention the name of their school that where they were teaching or the school district, but on their own time, on their own website, own hours, they expressed their opinion and said they don't believe that teachers should have to violate their conscience and use pronouns that violate their conscience. I mean, just think about it. After all, who would want to knowingly affirm and encourage any confusion on any child at any time? I mean, these teachers aren't radical. They're reasonable. They're what we expect from teachers. The other thing they mentioned on their, their website and their communication was uh, the fact that they don't believe teachers should ever be required to lie to parents. So if a parent approaches a teacher, calls a teacher and says, hey, um, is, is my child acting different, uh, you know, possibly wanting to be the opposite gender? They're supposed to lie and say, oh, no, not at all. No, we, we see none of that from, from your child. And instead, in the background, the teacher is supposed to be encouraging the child, like encouraging the confusion. So when the child comes to school, let's say it's a boy, they have the girls' clothes all set up for them to change into right when they get to school. And before they go home, they would change them back into the boys' clothes. This is real. So because of these two factors, because they expressed their opinion on their own time, these two teachers were fired. That's right, fired. Well, we at Pacific Justice Institute were contacted. We filed an action against them in our, through our office there in Oregon. Uh, Ray Hackey is the attorney who spearheaded this. As it turns out, we got their jobs back, but we're still having to litigate just to get their back pay for when, for when they were fired, since they were fired. This is a no-brainer. So we're suing them, and we're doing so very diligently as we speak. Uh, this is a very important case, and we at Pacific Justice are working with other attorneys on this matter as well. Well, as it turns out, there's another Supreme Court decision that is going to be impacting probably about 90 of those 185 cases we have in active litigation. And we're going to talk about that decision and its impact on these cases, as well as other things taking place in Hawaii. We return after this. Did you know that all of PJI's practical resources are offered free of charge and that we are proud to have served hundreds of thousands of people in this way? Just visit us at pji.org to download all the current and free resources you need. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Welcome back. You know, we at Pacific Justice Institute have, a, have offices and attorneys all across the United States. Well, uh, one place we have an office, which would be a nice place to visit sometime, um, is in Hawaii. And the attorney who's heading up that office is attorney uh, Joseph Gomez. Uh, welcome to the program, Joseph. Hey, Brad. Hi. Nice to see you again. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'd ask how things are going there in, in Hawaii, but it's always paradise, right? Just about? Well, just about. It's always paradise, just about. Anyway, it's good to be back on again. Yeah, well, it's glad to have you on, and we're really glad to have you as a part of our team. 
Uh, I remember in, in Hawaii, um, you know, there'd be a case that came up now and then, but now we're, we're pretty busy there, and that's why we had to open that office, and I'm glad to have someone like you with your experience and credentials uh, in charge of it and, and going to bat for people. Um, so since we've opened that office there, uh, how are things going? You know, pretty well, pretty well, Brad, all in all. Um, word has definitely gotten out that PGI has an office in Hawaii, and there's a place that for folks who have these challenges in Hawaii to come for help. And so definitely word's getting out. Um, I'm seeing it spread around through emails that are shared with me, people, I think, on their social media sites. They're talking about it. So it's terrific. So it looks like we've uh, planted a flag, and uh, we're here to stay. Now, that is awesome. And just for the record... Uh, Joe, you know, I speak at a lot of churches. I do a lot of guest preaching. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if there's a church out there in Hawaii that, you know, wants me to come preach, I am available um, anytime. <laughs> so, but well, uh, I'd love to have you, of course. And uh, I will continue to spread that word that you are available. And uh, they would love to have you on any of the islands to talk about uh, what uh, PGI does and the mission and how we can help. You got it. And I use a lot of scripture as well. So thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, we got to, I got to guest preach in, uh, recently up in uh, Sacramento at a church. Oh, and uh, it, was a, it was a small church, Baptist church. And uh, I got to guest preach. I was preaching out of the book of Esther, uh, how uh, for such a time as this, you know, many, and, and applying that to our challenges today from a biblical perspective, at the end of the service, we had two individuals raise their hand to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and uh, it was uh, an awesome, uh, awesome experience to to uh, be to be a part of that uh, that Sunday. So, um, but it's a it's exciting what we're doing there in Hawaii. There's so many people that need help. Uh, there's a lot of religious intolerance. I understand actually in Hawaii, it's a different culture. It's a different it's a different part of the United States. It's it's different, very different than Iowa and, and other parts of America. And uh, it's great having someone there like you that are sensitive to the, the cultural and religious and, and different uh, and political differences and things that you're dealing with there. So how do people reach out uh, if they have questions or need legal assistance? Um, how do they get that? You know, Brad, just before I get to that question, just uh, so the, uh, you and the, the listeners all know, I mean, Hawaii has a rich, rich tradition of faith, of faith of all sorts. And it's a, an important part of our culture. So it's not just the, the U.S. Constitution that's important to us, but also our state constitution that includes the right uh, of our free expression of our faiths, whatever those might be. And PGI is here to help protect those because we do have cases where either the state or the county or maybe in some cases the federal government and certainly employers seem to be impinging on those freedoms. And so we're here to help protect those. Um, but to your question, how do people reach out here in Hawaii or anywhere for help if they need help for uh, religious uh, liberty issues? Uh, conveniently, there's a fantastic website, uh, pji.org, that they can go to and look for the uh, tab that says Get Help. Click that and follow the prompts. Pretty easy. Okay. Now, what kind of inquiries are you receiving right now? Yeah, we're getting a variety of inquiries, and they range from... Um, workplace accommodations, um, uh, folks who are applying for work, who are running into obstacles due to some faith considerations. Uh, we're running, we've gotten inquiries with respect to operating home synagogues and challenges with uh, kind of the regulatory and uh, 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 regulatory authorities, if you will. 
and then questions about you know vaccine requirements for school-aged children and, and what kinds of exemptions there might be, religious primarily, here in Hawaii. I mean, that's pretty broad, what you just talked about. You know, home synagogues, that's an interesting case, uh, I'm sure. We've, I've dealt with personally with some home churches in the mm -hmm. past where cities say, no, no, we don't want those church people. And I had a case like that down in San Juan Capistrano, and Michael Peffer actually was the attorney who uh, worked on that d directly, and they were being fined for having home Bible study meetings. It was ridiculous. There was plenty of parking. There was no, there was no logical basis to discriminate against them. And we stepped in, and we uh, got those fines removed, and uh, they're able to, to meet there. Uh, but yet, um, you know, home synagogues, it's an interesting issue. So, uh, you know, what's, you, if you don't mind me asking, is there sure. any kind of a justification given for preventing some people meeting in a home for a home synagogue? Um, you know, it, it, it revolves around the kinds of issues that I think PGI has run into with the home churches, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure we'll use PGI's experiences as a template in terms of addressing these because, um, you know, they run around uh, parking issues and, uh, you know, traffic issues and those kinds of things um, that I'm sure we'll work through in this case. Uh, but, you know, on the other side of that is if we, if we you know, the, the, the regulators, if you will, they have the power of the purse or the power of the fine, and they'll implement those. Uh, and, and that's, um, you know, kind of a nasty little thorn to kind of get through and work through and get over. Um, I think in this case, uh, this uh, home practice has been going on for some time. Um, I think that they've got some, uh, we're working with them to help kind of clarify what is happening and what is not happening at the residence, and, uh, and then we'll take it, you know, step at a time and see where it goes, if need be, and I hopefully we can get it all resolved without having to go to court and litigate and all that, but if need be, we'll, we'll be there for that as needed as well. Yeah, I, I hope there's not anti-Semitism involved in this. That's been a part of our, our, our nation's history, unfortunately, and uh, I know we at PGI are very, very sensitive to that uh, when we see that happening. Unfortunately, um, Anti-Christian bigotry is also widespread in many parts of the country, which has not been the case in our nation's history, but it is, is today. Uh, it's just uh, it's sad that we have to, to deal with that. Uh, often what I've found is anti-religious bigotry is often a factor in this in most of these kinds of case matters we're dealing with, but I won't speculate beyond, beyond that. And I pr appreciate the work you're doing to, to help them. Uh, what you know, is, Brad, yeah, I'm, go ahead. Sorry, I, just, just real quick. I, I don't see that yet. In, in, yet, I, not that I'm expecting it. That any kind of anti-Semitism or, or anti-faith uh, kinds of expressions in this case, I, I, I would be completely surprised at this point if that is an element. You know, you always have to kind of be watching out for those kinds of things. And I would think, like you said, more broadly, they tend, it, it maybe rises uh, as a sort of anti-religious kind of bias that's sort of baked in the cake in some cases in these sort of regulatory matters. But we'll see. I, I, I don't think that that's the case here. Hopefully it's not at all. Good, good. I appreciate that. And we don't want to create something that's not there. Uh, right. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and I'm glad that that's hopefully not the case here, as I've seen sure. uh, in other matters. I remember had a, we had a matter dealing with the synagogue we were defending years ago in the East San Francisco Bay Area. And it was clearly anti-Semitic as far as I'm concerned, because 
they said to the, the, to the rab, uh, rabbi, you know, the group wanting to have this synagogue built, they said, well, yeah, okay, we'll approve your synagogue, but we just have about 21 land use restrictions. And, you know, but we're only going to apply them to just one day of the week. Just one day of the week. Um, Saturday. <laughs> I mean, really? Really? So we sent our legal demand letter, threatened a lawsuit, and they rescinded all 21 of those land use restrictions and said, okay, the synagogue can be built. Uh, you know, that was, that was outrageous. But uh, hopefully uh, that element will not be a part of what you're having to deal with. And if it's not, then we'll be get it resolved all, all the sooner and uh, to sure. everyone's um, reasonable um, uh, appreciation and consideration. Now, we've recently had, we have a lot of Title VII cases. I alluded to this earlier, right before the break, uh, that are going to be, uh, that are going on with Pacific Justice Institute. And Title VII is involved and is a part of these, these cases. Well, it turns out there was a major Supreme Court decision involving Title VII. In fact, the case involved a postal worker who had been working with the post office for a long time. And the, one of the reasons he, he chose that job is because he did not have to work on Sunday because Sunday was very important to him. As a Christian Sabbath, he wanted to uh, have the day off. He wanted to go to church with his family. He wanted a day of rest. It was very important to him as a part of his faith. And then the Postal Service contracts with a private uh, company. And, and so now they say, okay, now you have to work on Sunday. And by the way, we're not going to make much of an effort to reasonably accommodate you at all. And they thought they could get away with it. This case goes all the way to the United States Supreme Court. What happened in this case? I think it was a terrific result. Um, and the Supreme Court comes back with the unanimous decision basically saying in that particular case, that the uh, employer and, and what employers have been doing for many years now is relying on what was called a de minimis burden for basically saying it, it, that they could escape liability for denying a religious accommodation if they could show that there was a quote-unquote de minimis burden to their cost operation. And that's basically a, a, a slight cost increase. Uh, to uh, to their to their operation if they granted the accommodation. Well, in Groff, it was a unanimous decision that basically said, nope, uh, you guys have been misreading the statute. The requirement was never a de minimis standard. It's always been a substantial cost. You have to show, employer, a substantial cost to your operation to deny a reasonable accommodation to an employee who requests uh, an accommodation to a term of employment based on their sincerely held religious belief. So it's a fantastic ruling, and in Groff, in that case, they sent it back down to the trial court, and there'll be apparently litigation on that issue. Now, I think it's important for uh, certainly some, several of the cases that I'm handling here, because a number of them are Title VII cases that uh, where we're alleging that our uh, clients were terminated because of uh, uh, they requ their request for a religious accommodation from the COVID vaccines. And in many cases, the employers, and it could be a government employee, could be private employers, uh, just sort of ran roughshod, I would say, over their religious liberties and their rights under Title VII. And in many cases, these employers justified their terminations of our employees on the basis of a, quote-unquote, undue hardship, relying on this, quote-unquote, de minimis standard. So we'll see what happens, because now the court has clarified, because it didn't overrule the previous uh, de minimis Holdings. It basically clarified that say, nope, employers, you got it wrong all along. It's a substantial cost. So we'll see how it goes, Brad. I'm sure there's still going to be litigation on it, 
but it does help us, I believe, uh, to have the burden or the employer's burden to, that the employers, basically their burden, excuse me, will be to show that it was a, that they would face a substantial cost, an actual substantial, not a speculative, an actual substantial cost if they grant a reasonable accommodation to our clients. So we'll see where that ends up. But I think it's a terrific result. It's an important result. The fact that it was unanimous is also very important and I think gives much more stead to uh, the gravity of it and and how uh, astray employer, employers have gone over the years on this issue. Yeah, this is a huge decision for religious freedom in the workplace. Well, Joe, I, I so appreciate the work you're doing there, uh, defend religious freedom, also parental rights and the sanctity of human life as those come up as well. Uh, you're a, a valuable part of our team and <laughs> you're busy. Uh, keep up the good work. And by the way, just once again, um, <laughs> you find a speaking engagement out there for me. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm there, I'm ready. Uh, so. Absolutely. <laughs> I, think, I think there should be a live uh, with Brad Dacus from Honolulu. I, I, I like that. I like that. Thank you. Okay. God bless and keep up the great work, Joe. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at PJI.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms. <laughs>